Hello and welcome back to Yeah, that can't be good A rewatch podcast of the sci-fi original series Eureka The longest running original series on the sci-fi channel to date Thanks for joining us If you'd like to leave a comment You can do that on our website EurekaRewatch.com On our Facebook page Facebook.com backslash Eureka Rewatch or on Twitter at Eureka Rewatch. Let's get going. If you've made it this far into the podcast, we'd like to say thank you for putting up with our remote audio quality to this point. We do get better towards the end of the season and definitely into the second season and onward. So thanks for bearing with us. And we hope you continue to do so. Now, here's Doug with the iTunes synopsis. Season 1, Episode 6, Dr. Nobel. Carter and Zoe must help an aging scientist recover his memory before a dormant weapons system unleashes a grave disaster. Written by creators Andrew Cosby and Jamie Paglia, and Dan E. Fessman and Harry Victor. Directed by Jeff Woolnaw. Original air date, August 22nd, 2006. Thanks, Doug. Hi, I'm Vicki, and I'm back with my co-host, Kim, for episode six, Dr. Nobel. Hi, Kim. Good morning. How are you? Doing great. Okay. So this episode marks the first time that Sheriff Carter utters the name of our podcast. The line, yeah, that can't be good. So that's cause for celebration. (laughs) My son has a t-shirt that says, yeah, that can't be good. So that's where we got the idea for the name of this podcast. I was waiting for it to come up in an episode. (laughs) So anyway, there's a lot going on in this episode. Douglas gets a new office. Zoe is doing community service in a rest home. Um, There's sort of a love story between Eugenia and Dr. Thatcher. And there's a death ray. So which do you want to start with first? We could start with the uh, rest home. I know, huh? I wouldn't mind living there. Yeah, I like the virtual world where they think they're doing something. They got the stage and everything else in the stadium. That is so cool. I know, I know. I would not mind living there at all. Zoe's there to do community service for pulling a fire alarm during an IQ test at school. And they pair her up with this Eugenia person. She's a smart ass to me. Yeah, you know, and I looked her up because I kept looking at her and, and I kept saying, that is a terrible wig. That has to be a wig. Mm-hmm. And I looked her up. It's 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 hard to find the actress, but I found one picture and she's really young. It was really hard to find any information. I think her name was Donna White, which is a really common name. I wanted to see if this was a younger person that they just slapped a wig on. And it kind of looks like that from what I could find online. Because I kept saying her hair is horrible. Did you find anything else that she played in? Yes, and I can't think of the show. Oh, there was only like two shows. Let's see. I'm going to see if I can look it up. It says she appeared in a number of TV shows over the past three decades. Oh, okay. Um, The L Word, MacGyver. Okay, so maybe she's not as as young as this picture makes her. This picture makes her look like she's 30. Oh, okay. The L Word, MacGyver, and Stargate SG-1, as well as TV movies like The Pastor's Wife. I don't think I saw that. But, I don't know, to me, it just looked like a terrible wig. Hopefully it's not her hair and I'm insulting her hair now. (laughs) (laughs) 
anyway, it is a nice place. And I mean, that's where all the people that live when they grow older, which you're no matter what, you're going to grow older and right. they have a nice place to go. Right. It's a really nice place. So here's the another thing about Eugenia. And I, I know it sounds like I'm picking on her, but I'm not. Mm. Okay. So she lives in this rest home. We have to assume she's been there for years, right? Mm-hmm. And then Dr. Thatcher, the one she's a, a, in love with, we have to assume he's been there for years, right? Mm-hmm. So they live in this place. They see each other all day long. Are we to believe that she bursts out into tears every time he walks by her for however many years they've lived there? Yeah, I can believe it. Yeah? Yeah. It may not be a burst out in total tears and yeah. sobbing, but tears rolling down my eyes, yeah. Because this brilliant mind doesn't even know who I am. And if they had a love that great, but then we learn later on what kind of sets him off right. over the edge later. But yeah, to a certain point, I can I can understand that. Yeah. All right. You know, I was thinking, well, I know we need it for the story because otherwise mm-hmm. Zoe wouldn't know what was going on. But I just thought it was odd. It was like they lived there together for how long and mm-hmm. how could she still be bursting out in tears? But yeah, I guess. That's because Zoe's there. Yeah, I guess. And that's where the storyline starts to come into play. But I can see that a tear coming by because every time this person walks by you, he has no clue. So I would probably shed a tear. I'm not going to be sobbing because it's like, (laughs) hey, dude, don't remember. But, you know, that's that's a missed love, you know? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess I'm a little pessimistic. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because I do believe there's something out there. Yeah. Even though I don't see the light, I believe there's something out there. <laughs> Keep on hoping and praying somebody has a love like that, you know? Yeah, I know. It sounds like I'm picking on poor Eugenia. <laughs> <laughs> so the other stuff that goes on is Fargo gets an office. And it's not a very nice office. When you consider that Section 5 has all the top secret stuff in it, Section 4 doesn't have, seem to have much going on at all. No. There's nothing there. It looks like it's all storage and pipes. Well, I think that even though it's a lot of different sections, it still has to have the heat, the right. lights, the gas, the plumbing. Yeah. Yeah, that, that must be Section 4. Because yep. there doesn't seem to... <laughs> so poor Douglas gets his office on Section 4, and they find a machine while they're cleaning out the office. And, of course, they decide they're going to activate it. That's my problem right there. <laughs> You're a genius. There's two keys. You have to turn them at the same time, and you don't think what's going to not happen. You're right. I know. <laughs> Every time I think about that, you go, you you put one key in, turn it, nothing happens. <laughs> Take it out and put the other one, nothing happens. But you put two keys in, and you turn them at the same time. Any idiot would know something's going to happen. <laughs> I know. And further in the series, you'll know Douglas is the one that always has to push the button. Yeah. Even though he knows he's not supposed to, he's going to be the one to push the button or turn the key. Yeah. So they create this uh, a silo comes out of Main Street, a missile or something that we were later calling a death ray. Okay, okay, this this ion beam thingy, that uh, is what exactly? Irradiated uranium isotopes. Oh, God. Oh, death ray. Why don't you just say death ray? <laughs> and it's funny because the animosity between um, Nathan and Carter seems to grow more and more in each episode. In this episode, it's really apparent. Yeah, after the missile comes up mm-hmm. out of the street and Carter and Allison go to Nathan's office, he says, Allison, glad to see you. Sheriff. Scientist. <laughs> 
when um, Carter agrees to do that experimental, as he calls it, Vulcan mind meld mm-hmm. to get into Dr. Thatcher's mind. Yeah. Um, Nathan was against anybody using this because it's dangerous, it's experimental, and then he finds out it's Carter that's going to be the guinea pig. What? The hell? Absolutely not. The technology is highly experimental and far too dangerous for anyone to... Carter? Really? Well, that's just a risk we may have to take. And it's fine. Okay. Okay. Let yep. him do it. if he goes he goes (laughs) I just love their relationship I know they can't stand each other but I love the way they can't stand each other they're just so funny especially when they have to work together right so in trying to disarm this death ray Henry goes back to the old files that he took out of Fargo's (laughs) office which is how they find this Dr. Thatcher he also finds going through the paperwork that they've armed the moon They've made the moon a weapon. In 1969, when we had the first moon landing, the astronauts placed mirrors around the moon, and Henry realizes, when they're trying to figure out how to disarm this death ray, that the mirrors were there so they could bounce the death ray off of the mirrors and hit just about anything they want. So Henry's really upset about finding, finding out that they've armed the moon. Henry, at this point, we still don't know what he's all about. He doesn't seem to work at Global Dynamics, although he's always there helping when something goes wrong. So why doesn't he work at Global Dynamics? Why is he a mechanic and just goes there when something happens? Yes, there is a story behind that somewhere. Part of it comes up. But it states later that he did work there. Right. It didn't state what, what happened while he left. Well, it's important to remember um, that he got so angry about finding out they armed the moon. Right. Anyway, Carter does the mind meld, and he doesn't really get a lot of information from Thatcher, but he does find out about Eugenia. So he goes back to the rest home to find her. She's gone. And now it's him and Zoe working together, and it's kind of nice to see that. Yeah. To see them working together on something. They find Eugenia at the sundial, and it gets kind of weird when Carter kisses her because he still has Thatcher in his head. Carter got that part of the memory that Eugenia was, was hoping to see out of him. Right. Uh, you know, and that's the ticket, because when he kissed her, it was kind of him kissing her. But in reality, his body's not doing it. Carter's mind is doing it, but what's the doctor's name? It's that, yeah, but he still has Thatcher in his head. Right, right. Thatcher doesn't have that in his head anymore. But it still kind of got weird when he kissed her. Oh, me, it still got it. (laughs) (laughs) Backing up a little bit, Carter has the bright idea to bring Thatcher to Fargo's office to see if he could help disarm this missile. This is the oppressive jerk who's all up in your business. So you found something to talk about. Hi, Sheriff Carter. Nice to meet you. I'm looking for a retired scientist. Swing a cat. He helps them to open up the... The panel, yeah. The panel, right. Henry couldn't figure out how to open it. But after that, he's really no help. He just keeps singing the wheels on the bus. Sheriff, it ain't point when you picked him up, the car ride, the long walk down here, happen to notice this guy's not all there. Yeah, there may have been signs. 
And so Henry and Nathan decide together to cut the blue wire, which seems to help for a minute. Mm-hmm. But then it goes into this other, I forget what you call it. Um, the countdown is quicker. It's yeah. some kind of... Kind of like a default. Yeah, if somebody messes with the first countdown, it'll automatically go into a lesser countdown. Yeah, because sometimes cutting wires are not always the best approach either. Right. And then, I can't remember if it was 12 hours left. There was so many hours left. And then all of a sudden, it jumped down to seven. Right, right. And I'm like saying to myself, well, yeah, I can't do, don't do anything else. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, and even, like I said, I watch the TV and going, don't do nothing. Why would you cut the blue wire? <laughs> <laughs> but they did. And, yeah, mm-hmm. so it jumped from 20 hours to seven hours. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the town people are all terrified, of course, because you see this missile coming up in the middle of the street. And we don't really see a lot of Joe this episode at all, except for that one scene where she's trying to calm down the people of the town. Right, yeah. And pretty much we don't see her at all after that, which is odd because you would think she'd be there helping. Well, I guess she was helping control the crowd and everything. Yeah. But, I don't know. I'm, I'm believing that everybody's getting their moment in the sun. Yeah. Because so, even the little boy's not in certain episodes, and then he is and in then, certain Yeah, episodes. yeah. So I guess, you know, even just to put Vincent in there, trying to find out what's going on is just giving him a, a little bit of screen time. And so we remember there's a character, Vincent. So Carter talks to Eugenia, and he realizes that Dr. Thatcher kind of went round the bend when he didn't win the Nobel Prize. So they come up with this whole elaborate Nobel Prize ceremony <laughs> to give him, to present him with the prize, hoping that it'll jar his memory, which it kind of does. You know, it, it started out on the edge, but he saw Eugenia and he kind of got his head back together and decides to go and help them. But he has to get his crew first. Right. <laughs> That was funny, the three old men and the woman in the wheelchair coming yep. up. It's coming down. <laughs> I loved it. To the eve of destruction. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like old basketball players coming out to the court for the last time. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. It was a good scene. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like the way they did that. So it turns out all they had to do was turn three keys, not two, this time, mm-hmm. three keys. Although it looks like it didn't work, and then he all he did was kick it, and it worked. You're right, yeah. But then, of course, it doesn't work. Because now there's another safeguard. Because somebody cut the blue wire. <laughs> <laughs> if he didn't cut the blue wire, those three keys would have worked. But okay. they went ahead and cut the blue wire, and now they have five minutes before an even bigger missile deploys. Now, they had five minutes. It's funny how fast they get from Global Dynamics to Main Street. It was right around the corner. <laughs> it has to be. Although, you know, the first time Allison drove him to Global Dynamics, they were out in the wilderness and they drove yep. over that bridge, remember? Mm-hmm. So how far could that bridge be? Well, that's the ticket. Even to the uh, to the home, you, it's, a, it's a drive. You got to go over the bridge. You got to do this. You got to that. But by the time you turn around, you're back to downtown. I guess. Because they were there with 30 seconds to spare. And the only the only thought the scientist had to 
to stop it was for Carter to run his car into the into the missile to hopefully bend it so it doesn't hit the moon. Yeah, tilt it. Mm-hmm. And it didn't hit the moon, it missed. <laughs> but didn't it hit something else? <laughs> it did. And it was a space shuttle, I think. Yeah. And then you, you hear them radioing. Um, it wasn't Houston, though. They don't say Houston, we have a problem. It's Pasadena, we have a problem. No, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so they didn't kill anybody, but they ripped apart whatever this was. Yeah. Like a Zephyr or something. <laughs> so I, I really like this episode. There was a lot, lot going on, it seemed, but it was a really good episode. Yeah. Did you have any other thoughts on anything that... We didn't talk about yet. He was getting the Nobel Peace Prize when they had the virtual like they did in the home. So they had everything set up enough for him to see her in the audience. I like that because sometimes that's what you need. You need that one little thing to make everything right. Right. That one familiar face. Right. Yeah. That's what he wanted in the beginning. And then when he didn't get it, it was that much of a disappointment where, you know, he kind of shut down. Yeah everybody's trying to help and it's a group effort and you know with Carter his thinking is not like you're thinking he's thinking more I want to say simple and not scientific right he's thinking like the everyday man instead of getting wrapped up in the science of everything right so that works for me and uh you know Alistair that's the one that he likes right yeah yeah, because even how they go back, this back and forth thing sometimes, even in the beginning, they, you can see there's this thing going on, you know, and even like she's divorced, you know, it's like one of them love triangle things going on. Yeah, because you, you, you can see she really does have some kind of an attraction to Carter, and I think that Nathan's just messing all of that up. <laughs> yeah, he's just jealous. All right. Is there anything else we didn't talk about? No, I think the little bit that I wrote down, that was it. It was like about true love. I think that's it on that one. Okay. So that's the end of our episode. Come back next week and join us again for episode seven. See you later. See you later. Okay, DC, tell us what's next. Come back next time, season one, episode seven, Brink. See you next time. Bye now. Please remember to follow us on our Facebook page, yeah, that can't be good, at facebook.com backslash Eureka Rewatch, or on Twitter at Eureka Rewatch. Links to information discussed during our podcasts will be added to our website at eurekarewatch.com. You can also listen to our podcast on Podbean. If you'd like to send us an email, please email us at eurekarewatch at gmail. We would love to hear from you. <laughs>